Hello there, and welcome to Gooner U. My name is not Dove. Uh, this is Keith, and on the opposite screen, for those of you on the U- on the YouTube, is Dove, who is coming to us live from the Jersey Shore, or rather, I should say, the passenger seat of his car on the Jersey Shore. <laughs> Hello, Dove. Hey, Keith. Uh, hey. I'm on the beach. What can I say? Yeah, you know, that's supposed to go, that's what you do at the end of the season. It's not good to do that in at this part of the year. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's, yeah, uh, I'm not playing. I'm not playing. It's okay. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, but Arsenal is playing this week. We opened the Premier League season with our first game against Nottingham Forest. Uh, but we will talk about that later. Uh, for now, as usual, we have all of the other uh, bits and bobs to practice my English accent, the bits and bobs. Do we want to? You want to tell us about some, yeah. of this, some of this opening stuff we need to talk about? Yeah, sure. So, as, as listeners may recall, uh, my son has developed uh, a true fandom of uh, Leo Messi, and so we've been watching the Miami games every week. He is continuing to talk smack about Arsenal, which I'm trying to tamp down a little bit because he, he goes a little bit overboard and it's unnecessary. But um, he's also he's I also think, six, if I recall. Yes, he <laughs> he is six. Um, so <laughs> th- this week we ended up actually watching the entire Inter Miami match which is a huge step for him. He has never watched an entire sporting match of any kind. Even when we were at the stadium watching Arsenal a few weeks ago, he had a lengthy like break post uh, halftime where he was waiting for dip and dots or, or some such thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so this is his first time actually being engaged. He wasn't even eating or anything. This is late at night. We watched the match live as it was happening, and uh, he watched the whole thing. So, But in trying to needle me, I think he was trying to say that he's rooting for the team that's that I don't want to win. And he was telling me that he's rooting for Manchester City United. <laughs> I had to explain a couple things about why that was wrong for an inter Miami match. So, so many, so many levels to that. Um, let's just, but let's yeah. just say in the midst of all this, he says you're rooting for the team that you're, he's rooting against, the, you know, the team you're rooting for as long as he's not a Tottenham fan. That's, yeah, that's right. the important thing here. <laughs> All, all I need to do to turn him into a Tottenham fan is A, tell him that they're a rival of Arsenal's, and B, tell him that he's that, he, that the player is on a poster and across the Spider-Verse, and those those two things will have him rooting for Tottenham. So I'll, I'll do my best to, to protect him from that information. Yeah, let's, let's, let's not do that. Um, <laughs> of course, he's one of our subscribers on YouTube, so hopefully he doesn't hear me seeing this, so we'll, <laughs> we'll see. But if he does, we'll hear about it. Sealed our fate. Yeah, right. Update, update, <laughs> up, the weekly updates on your son's uh, your son's fandom. <laughs> so, so tell me, um, as far as news goes, um, I was concerned after the Nottingham match uh, we saw during Timber. By the way, how how is his name pronounced? Can you remind me his first name? Uh, everything I've heard is it's Urian. Urian. Okay, so Urian. The, he's he's is Dutch. Ian, Right. Okay. I wasn't sure how the vowels were pronounced. I thought it was yeah. urine. I know I was saying Jur just now, but I remember that. I wasn't sure if it was urine or urian. I wasn't sure how the vowels were pronounced. I, I feel like I feel like I've been hearing it as urian. Now, having said that, the English announcers have this fascinating habit of adding an accent even to people's names. It's kind of fascinating sometimes to hear them yeah. struggle through non-English names. Although they're yes. usually better with German, German and Dutch, that sort of Northern Europeans. It's when you get to like the names in spanish or italian those are the ones that get a little more adventurous again as someone who grew grew up in the in the u.s and of course watching like baseball i mean you know pedro Mm -hmm. martinez of course (laughs) that's how you pronounce that and you'll get the english announcers this is uh pedro martinez yeah right well if a lot of that too is just because they're on the same continent they're all like you know neighboring countries to one degree or another there are probably long historical codified mispronunciations where it's like that's just how the english pronounce that i i would guess uh, probably with prob- probably a bit although with the english there's always a chance it's just a whole lot of passive aggressive shots at the rest of the continent or at the very least that's <laughs> only or maybe that's only true if it's the french i don't know could be <laughs> well, anyways, so uh, we saw Yuri and Timber go down in the first half, and it seemed like everything was fine. He got back up, but then shortly into the second half, um, he did have to get substituted, um, and he was taken back to seek medical attention. Um, do you know what his status is? Uh, so it's 
so the official official word this is coming from the athletic uh, the first line of the article arsenal defender urian timber has suffered a serious knee injury and is expected to now be out for a lengthy period of time um oh oh, it's and you know again uh so one of the one of the authors of the piece uh james mcnicholas gunner blog again big name we've dropped him before i was listening to him earlier on on a podcast and uh, the the word ACL was was mentioned, which could very well mean the season. Um, and and it's it's never good, as I'm sure you saw during the game, he, when he goes down when he's actually subbed off, he goes down without contact, and right. that's always bad. That's that's always bad. Um, right. Yeah, I was thinking that. It, that yeah. It, it it's so. It, um, that's never a good sign. Clearly, it doesn't seem to be a good sign. They say serious knee injury. I mean, you're probably talking months at minimum, probably looking at the season. Yeah. Um, if, really it, if, it's, if, it's, if it's an ACL, if it's one of the ligaments in his knee, then that's, that's usually what that means. And again, you know, he's had a bright start. Obviously, he's, he's 22, so he's young. I mean, he's, you know, especially these days with knee injuries, there's a pretty good chance he'll come back you know, next year, but you know, it's, it's just a shame. And, you know, he, he didn't, he had fit so well into the team and, 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 you yeah. know, said, you just, you feel for someone who gets hurt like that. And we've talked about, we've seen some major injuries, we've talked about Jesus and, and someone like yeah. Yasu and, um, you know, even Martinelli is hard on the knees. Apparently. I mean, it's a sport in general. It's a, it's, you see <laughs> right, a lot of right. run, it's a running injury. Uh, it's yeah. a, an injury you get from all that movement on the knees and stuff. So, you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's disappointing, obviously, for them and obviously for Arsenal. Um, obviously, we hope his recovery goes well. And um, guess maybe I guess see him next year. I hope I you know maybe, maybe yeah. towards the end of this season, probably if that's true. But it's yeah, it's not it's yeah. not good. So it's a a sad end to an otherwise uh, otherwise pleasant weekend, which saw us, of course, get three points. Yeah, definitely. So, um, speaking of that match, one thing that the commentators mentioned in passing without elaborating on, I wanted to get more details from you, is they mentioned Harry Kane either has left or will be leaving Tottenham. What's what's the story there? Yes, he has left. He actually played this uh, weekend, I think it was Sunday, played for Bayern Munich, the big, uh, the German giants, uh, the, the big German team that's won the Bundesliga, I think, like, 11 years in a row. Um Consistently, Champions League competitors. He's gone to Bayern for, I want to say, it's about a hundred million euros. It was a lot of money. Would uh, to be expected of a player of his caliber and his record. Uh, he went to Bayern, who played in the, I don't remember what it's called in German, but essentially the German Community Shield, uh, the equivalent competition. At which mm-hmm. point, Bayern got thumped by uh, uh, Red Bull Leipzig. Um, which is just funny because even after joining Bayern Munich for the purpose of winning more trophies, he still failed to win trophies. Um, <laughs> last shots at Tottenham, uh, but for now. But um, <laughs> yes, he has left for a substantial amount of money, and I think there's a good argument to be made that, and we can touch on this. I know this is something we've sort of hinted at in conversation elsewhere. It may well have been time, not only for him to move on. He's thirty, not old, except in the realm of professional athletes. But he does want to win things, uh, you know, win major trophies. And at Tottenham, he hasn't won any. He may have won like a League Cup. Um, You know, he has England hasn't quite gotten over the hump to win a trophy. So if he wants to win something, you know, and arguably he could have easily moved as a much younger player to a club like Bayern. A couple of years ago, Manchester City were offering a pretty hefty sum for him and they would Tottenham didn't sell. Um, So for him, it makes a lot of sense. And I think for Tottenham, I think... the roster they've assembled or sort of the group they had was together for a while and never quite got over the hump. And sometimes you have to, you kind of have to cut your losses and push a few players out um, and, and, and sort of refresh the squad a little bit. And I think they're, frankly, I think they're past that point. I think they peaked a little while ago and now need, now really need to refigure Liverpool's in somewhat of a similar place in terms of having to reconfigure their roster the difference there, of course, is that Liverpool won the Champions League, won the Premier League. They won a bunch of stuff uh, in right. the process, and, and so I think for I think it, it's a good decision for both of them. The real question becomes how well does Tottenham reinvest the money? There was a situation about let's say seven, eight years ago, maybe maybe I'm off on the timing there. They sold a player, a uh, Gareth Bale, 
who you may remember uh, playing for Wales against the U.S. in the World Cup. Oh, they okay, sold bail. Yeah. They sold bail to Real Madrid for a big honking pile of money, which they spent on a whole bunch of players, a lot of whom just, just weren't that good. Um, huh. So it'll be interesting to see how they go about reinvesting and sort of rebuilding the squad that they have. You probably won't see a lot of that in this transfer window. There's only a couple weeks left. You might see it a little bit more in January, and then particularly perhaps next summer, you'll start to see. We'll start to see what directions Tottenham wants to go in. But I'll be curious to see how they start to rethink their squad, and if there's any mm-hmm. other players on there. Hinman Sung, uh, mm-hmm. are they guys they start to consider? Um, you know, letting go, seeing what they can get for them financially. You know, in, in American sports, we would call it rebuilding, tearing down, selling off your assets to get things like in in an American context, draft picks. In the English soccer context, you get cash, and you can use that to buy other players. So we'll see what they do with that. Yeah, well, that'll be interesting. So yeah, um, you know, I can maybe think about start being a Harry Kane fan. Of course, he still can't be in my uh, fantasy team, <laughs> even though he's not on Tottenham anymore because he's out of the league altogether. So. <laughs> I'm sure there. I'm sure there's a Champions League fantasy somewhere. Um, which uh, maybe, you know, wait yeah. till we draw Bayern and then he'll score against us. Yeah, right. That's that's a that's a Champions League <laughs> problem. We're not there yet. So yeah. So, so, uh, one thing that I wanted to have a dedicated section for in each show now is because of my son's fandom of Messi, I am watching a lot of Inter Miami and, uh, we're going to have a section. This is the first episode that's going to have this called the Messi room, um, where we talk about anything that comes up as I'm watching those matches that's completely distinct from Arsenal. And maybe if there's, if something happens watching an NYCFC match, we can slot it in there. Cause it's, you know, Messi is the MLS <laughs> at this point to a large degree, <laughs> uh, at least from my point of view, like I wouldn't be an MLS subscriber if it weren't for Messi. So, um, yeah. but yeah, so, you know, I think that's just like a little contained dedicated section. We're still primarily an Arsenal podcast, but when stuff comes up that I'm curious about, uh, we can, we can slot it in here a little bit before we talk about Arsenal. A little, little appetizer, a little MLS appetizer. So um, one thing I was wondering is I had noticed on a close-up of the jerseys at one point um, that there's like an EKG line, like a heartbeat line along the hems of the sleeves on their jerseys. And that was kind of weird. And when I was looking online at the jerseys like for potential purchase i saw that they're called the heartbeat kit uh do you know why what about miami or inter i don't even know what inter is what about anything related to this team has to do with a heartbeat <laughs> uh so there's a couple things going on here so the name inter is a short version usually of international or um, the, the real famous version is the club in milan uh internazionale uh the international um and the idea is that you're buying MLS clubs do this a lot where they're borrowing team names sort of from this very European context, which is why we have United's and FC's and, and my favorite Real Salt Lake. Cause nothing <laughs> says, nothing says the Spanish Royal family quite like, quite like Salt Lake City. I've been there, been to the stadium. It's lovely. It's a nice time, but it's, I name is still, still pretty <laughs> awful. Um, so some of that's sort of the, uh, the stolen valor, if you will. They're taking a, a familiar, recognizable name. And, and Miami as a city has a, a good claim to being a very international one, especially in the, the context of the Americas. Um, in terms of the, the heartbeat kit, so as we've talked about this, MLS clubs change one jersey every season. And so... For this one, I mean, the club's only been around since 2020, so this was still one of their fir- very first kits. In this case, it's their first one that's pink. Their their colors of their crest are there's black with white and pink uh, markings on it. Yeah, pink flamingos. And yes. so uh, they're they're not flamingos actually. They're they're, he- oh, they're, they're white herons. They're white uh-huh. herons. No, it's a common oh, okay. misconception. Yeah. Uh, no, they're not. <laughs> they aren't flamingos. If you look at if you look at them, they've got like a little, little crest in the back, so they're herons, huh. not. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but anyway, yeah, but Stand pink correctly. is part of it. Yeah. Pink is part of their color scheme. And of course, once that happened, there's a whole chunk of people on the internet going like, no, oh, they need to have a pink kit. And I mean, it looks good, you know, and the, with the black and, the, and all of that. So that's what it is. As far as the heartbeat thing, I, you can't just sell a shirt. It has to have a story. 
<laughs> like we've talked about, we've talked yeah. about like the, with, with the Arsenal shirts, how they're supposed to call back to this or a reference to that. Same with these. In this case, Miami, you know, Miami doesn't have a a long history to refer back to. So in this case, it's sort of the idea of a heartbeat. Like you said, the name is the heartbeat kid. And so that symbol there is, it's not an EKG of a heartbeat. It's actually the letter M, but it looks a bit like an EKG. So it's got that sense of mm-hmm. the heartbeat, you know, that you would see on the machine. And so, um, yeah. So that, so that's the story of that. <laughs> um, Okay. I mean, again, here's 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 what it, here's this is it directly from their PR people from February of 2022. Uh, the Heartbeat Kit is Inter Miami's first pink kit and is inspired by and designed for the fans. On the cuff of the jersey sleeve, the fans who are the heartbeat of the club are represented by an M-shaped EKG line embossed into the fabric. <laughs> and so, I mean, I can just I can hear your eyes rolling. And yes, that's a lot of it's kind of dopey, like, but you know what. It's a bit of a stretch, yeah. Every, every, <laughs> every shirt release comes with these kinds of things, and if it's your team and you like what they're representing, you kind of go, yeah, yeah that's cool. <laughs> and then if it's not your team, or even if you don't like it, it's like, it's pink. Just just say, why is it pink? Because we wanted to make it pink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was there was one, there was one team that came out like with their logo, and it had like all sorts of symbols on it. Um, and one of it was like, it's, it, the, the, the breakdown of the graphic is almost a joke where like they pointed and like, why, you know, the club's name is here. This is our name. And yeah. that was its explanation. Uh, so, you know, or, you know, a shield. <laughs> why? Cause it looks, why is it a shield? Because it looks cool. Um, <laughs> so, um, yes, that's the heartbeat. Let me explain and apologize in case anyone is hearing, uh, it has started raining. Um, so if you... <laughs> Your noise in the background, that is rain uh, hitting the car that I am recording from. So, <laughs> um, last messy question should be a pretty quick one, yes or no. Um, they've, they show David Beckham and, and Posh Spice every episode, or every episode, every match when Miami is playing. Um, as we discussed, he is part owner of the club. Um, I was curious, did they overlap in their careers before Beckham exited soccer? Was Messi, had Messi's career already began? I think Messi is old enough and Beckham young enough. I imagine they probably did. And have they played against each other? I just kind of wanted to get a sense of that. When I see him cheering for Messi, like, is that a historical reversal of some kind? Uh, it's, uh, they did overlap briefly in Spain, uh, before he came to MLS, Beckham was at, uh, was at Real Madrid for a number of years. Messi, of course, started and spent most of his career at Barcelona. So they, I don't know that they were necessarily on the field together, but they were definitely involved in the several classical matches. They they overlap by a couple of years, beginning of Messi's career and the end of Beckham's time in Spain, uh, before he came to, uh, the LA Galaxy. That's good to know. Um... Before we get to the actual match, let me just ask, because we were talking about kits, and it got me thinking. So during the Nottingham match, I noticed a passing resemblance between Nottingham's away kit and our away kit for the season. So the highlighter with the contour lines on it that looked like a relief map, like showing elevations, right? Um, like they had, it's, it's different colors. Clearly it's, you know, Nottingham's colors are not our own, but, uh, well, except for the home kits, which are, <laughs> which was, I was reminded right. of whenever they show the, the Nottingham section at, at Emirates, um, for, for their fans. But anyways, um, so for their away kits, so the lines kind of weaving their way, like in circuitous patterns all over the, the shirt front. Um, is that something that's like a Premier League wide thing? I feel like I saw in some Premier League graphic during the match that the Premier League itself is using those kinds of curved lines to represent something this season. Um, well, first off, in terms of the kits, no. If you if you look at if you look at Nottingham's, they're still basically vertical stripes with a little bit of a wave, so they don't go everywhere. Okay. They still run parallel to each other. Um, okay. Oh, okay. You, yeah, you will. And, and there are a couple other teams that are using various vertical stripes. I mean, some of them, Newcastle, Brentford, Sheffield United, they wear vertical stripes. That's just that's just what they wear. Some of them are using, you know, in this case, they're using it. Um, Nottingham's using it as their change. Our arsenals are different. It's got sort of, if, if the idea is, I think we've talked about this, it's supposed to be the outline, I think like the outline of Islington, the, neighbor, the London neighborhood. 
And so you can see it sort of, it's supposed to be like more like contour lines or like a radio wave kind of expanding outward. Oh, okay. As opposed to, as opposed to forest, which is just these parallel lines. Um, at, at, at lower levels, you'll see that a lot more kits are templated. So, you know, you, you, when they order them, it's basically the manufacturer says, here are the designs we have. What colors would you like to plug into them? For, for teams in the Premier League, because they're going to sell so many more, they're much more, they tend to be much more uh, individually designed for the clubs. Sure. But you will see, uh, you will see a lot of designs get repeated and floating around or based on particular templates. There are people who get super into jerseys and logos who can give you chapter and verse, <laughs> of, like the different colors that are available, the different cuts. Um, you know, right. okay, well, you're using this template, but this club's using this one, which is actually an older one. So, um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, but in this case, right, no, they're, so. they, yeah, there are similarities, but they're not, they are not the same. And once you see them side by side, you'll be like, oh, that's right. Yeah. They're not. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I will, I will pay attention next time. So, uh, so forest, we played forest. Um, we, beat them, uh, not by as wide a margin as I had been expecting going into the match or even at halftime, <laughs> but we did beat them. <laughs> so what yeah, are your, uh, it your was, opening uh, thoughts? Uh, the first half was a lot of fun. Uh, it, 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 at one point, we had up to 90% possession. Um, right. Yeah, you saw Forrest had pretty much nothing on the ball. Um, and, and you saw, obviously in the first half, we talked, we've talked in the past about like different tactical decisions. They sat 10 men, 11 men behind the ball. They were not giving Arsenal space. And you saw Arsenal was struggling a bit strong, but you sort of saw this a little bit, even from the beginning as you open, you know, I opened up, look at the lineup and, um, you know, the big, the interesting shift in the lineup was Gabrielle was sitting for tactical reasons. Not he's fine, healthy. Uh, Thomas Party was playing as a um, at, was listed as a fullback or as a defender, but if you actually watch the way they played, I mean, basically it was Saliba acting almost. I, I thought it was almost more like a sweeper, which is an older defense, you know, a sort of a, a defender behind the defensive line who sweeps, who cleans up, you know, everything back there. But he was playing deep, and otherwise you had Timber and Party cutting into the midfields. You had Ben White linking up with Saka on the outside. Um, everything was designed to go forward, 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 because it was clear we expected to control possession, and we did. Um, and, and Forrest seemed content with that, or sort of kind of threw their hands up and said, well, they're going to, so we better be prepared to deal with that. Um, but, you know, and it, 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 you also set yourself up in a place where, you know, if you're Forrest, if you're going to concede a lot of the ball, there's a chance you end up conceding a lot of chances, and we wound up getting... Uh, one really good one, uh, which we'll talk about first, which was which was Inkedia's goal. Yeah, uh, which was uh, you know a good a very good finish from a, a player who you know he scores when he starts. He does not score off the bench, so it was good to get a goal. Uh, but of course, the more interesting part of that was the the pass leading up to it uh, yes. from Gabriel Martinelli. Uh, did you did you as an avowed Martinelli uh, fan? Did you enjoy that? Oh yeah, I mean it, it was beautiful. You like, it, if if I'm remembering right, I didn't watch the highlights before we recorded, and you know we're recording on Monday. The match was on Saturday, um, but yeah, if I remember right, he was looking away and kind of back heeled it like no look to Enkedia, right? He's it definitely appears to be trying to pirouette between the two defenders. I guess the yeah. real interesting question is, did he mean to make that pass? Well, yeah, I mean, ultimately, we see enough of those that turn out that those no-look passes either go to the other team or into the middle of nowhere, and I guess if you do them enough times, eventually they're going to hit someone on your team. So, yeah, I guess that's, uh, that's a bit of a Rorschach test. <laughs> I mean, I th- well, what it really, really is is, you know, I mean, in some ways it was perfectly weighted right to Enkedia, and he, you know, makes the move and finishes it off. But I think also a lot of that's just... I. It, Listen, if you ask Martinelli, I'm sure he'll tell you, oh, yeah, man, it's totally a pass. But that was probably oh, yeah. uh, probably a bit of an error. Uh, but, it, but boy, it sure looked pretty, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, it was nice. I mean, at the time, I didn't think it was an error. Like, watching it live, it looked credible as a pass. <laughs> so. Right. It happened so quickly because so much of that stuff happens so quickly. You almost oh, think, yeah. you know, just think about the way they react and the way they move. 
Um, but in terms of goals, I mean, frankly, they don't they don't get much nicer than Saka's curler from the bo- outside the box. Oh, just, yeah, top just corner. Her. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. I mean, it's <laughs> it is just, just. I mean, you almost feel bad. I assume you recognized uh, the the forest keeper. Yes, old old friend, U.S. national team keeper Matt Turner. Uh, yeah, they, they gave him a run forest. for his money. That's for sure. <laughs> I'll say this: I thought actually he played very well. He makes a couple of good saves, uh, especially in the second half. A um, couple of couple of good tough saves. I mean, you look at the goals he gave up. Inkedia's is a pretty solid finish, and Saka's. I there's no yeah. there's no keeper in the world who stops that. That's just no. some, sometimes the ball's placed perfectly. And but overall, I thought Turner had a nice game. Clearly, under a bit more siege than he was, you know, certainly when he was playing for Arsenal. It was his first ever start in the Premier League, so good for him, right? Um, and hopefully he has a much, much uh, nicer or more pleasant season now that we no longer have to play them. Well, yeah, we go to sitting around touches more, more play time. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, he, he went over presumably to be their starter to fight for the starting position, which he was never really right. going to get uh, with with us. So, um, yeah. I thought Ramsdale yeah. overall, you know, obviously with with Ramsdale overall, I thought played fine. He didn't have a lot to do. Um, but yeah, overall that first half. First half was first half was just everything you'd want. We looked completely in control. Um, yeah, it just it you know it was, we were back. Everything was back. The sun was shining. Just a, <laughs> almost oh. almost that you realize. Actually, I should ask this real quick. When you were watching, because you don't watch live, did they talk at all about the delay? No. What delay? <laughs> okay, so the game actually kicked. The game actually kicked off half an hour late. They, I think apparently, they mentioned it, actually. They didn't explain it. Yeah, so apparently there was a major snafu. I guess they've switched totally to an electronic ticketing system, and apparently a bunch of, like, the system crashed, I guess, earlier in the day, mm-hmm. and so gates weren't working, there were crowds building up, so the point where they actually delayed kickoff by a half hour, which is particularly frustrating, you know, for, for me here in U.S. Central Time, because the original scheduled kickoff was 6.30. Right. And now it was at 7.00. I wish I had known it had been at seven. I would have liked of the course. extra half hour of sleep, but <laughs> yeah, um, yeah you know, it, yeah. yeah. So th- there was an interesting bit of a delay, but other than that, the first half went about as well as you could hope. Uh, overall, I thought things were yeah. uh, just just going along just swimmingly. Well, while we're uh, on the first half, I mean, so I'm wondering how much of this is stuff that I would have noticed anyways, and how much of it is in the wake of the David Raya uh, acquisition talk, how much I'm looking to, like, defend Ramsdale's position on the team. But I noted throughout the game, like, some really nice plays and not even just blocks from him. Um, In the ninth minute in particular, he had a beautiful arcing pass to party that just, like, was beautifully placed and and a level of skill with his feet that you wouldn't usually expect from a keeper. It's it's great, and not every keeper would have been able to do that. Yeah, I mean, and that's, and, you know, in terms of sort of the strengths he has as a keeper playing with his feet, you're seeing that more and more that that's the desire as a keeper who can can play with the ball at his feet. Indeed, that's really one of the weaknesses of of Turner. He's much better at it now uh, after having spent a year with Arsenal. But yeah, he's, he's a, he's actually a much better shot stopper in a lot of ways than than Ramsdale is. But, you know, in a sense, because of the team he plays where Ramsdale doesn't have to be. So playing with the ball at his feet is a strength. And he had some, he had some iffy moments with that uh, over the summer, um, and and the sense that you know Raya is much better at that, uh, but but Ramsdale's pretty good at it. It's probably what drew Arsenal to him in the first place. And uh, but you know that's we've talked a little bit about this. You know to the extent that bringing in Raya represents a challenge for him, and and we're seeing that in a lot of places on the field. I mean, if you looked at the lineup on on Saturday, Kieran Tierney isn't on it. Yeah. Now, granted, part of that is because we think there's a possibility we're trying to sell him to a, a club in Spain, so you want to be careful with him. But also, you look at the line, if you look at the bench, who would you take off? Like, if you have to put him on, okay, but who's who's not going to be on the bench for that game? Um, well, they didn't bring him in as a I don't, substitution I don't know. either. They they brought in Tomiyasu, right? When uh, Well, that's what that's that it. They, they, they couldn't yeah. bring... Well, they, yeah, Tomiyasu came right in for Timber, but they couldn't because Tierney isn't even on the bench. He wasn't even on the 18-man squad. Oh, gotcha, game. gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. he wasn't even one of the substitutes. And yeah, it's like, who who do you actually take off? 
I was, even the subs list, the subs list was very strong. We, you saw at times last season, especially late in the year after injuries started to accumulate, sometimes the bench is being filled out a bit by youth players and guys are like, I've heard of that guy. You're right. <laughs> He's not going to play. Um, right. You didn't see that. That bench was, that bench was pretty solid. We've got a, we've got a really good deep team, which we can get into. Just make me more appropriate when we get to the second half. That might be my one real criticism of how the game went. Uh, but well, let me ask you uh, on on that note. This sounds like it's related to one question I left unasked last time around, which is what is a depth chart? You'd said something about depth chart, and I think I have an idea just based on those words, like what it would probably mean. But can you go into a little more detail on that? Ah, that's a that's a common sport. Term. So basically, if you imagine, um, if you imagine a lineup, you know, who, if you had your best players, who would be playing where? And then who are their backups? And you would sort of list by position who your best players and who their backups are. And you'll see this in, in pretty much any sport. So it's if player X goes down, who's player Y that's going to step up and, and do that? Um, right. depending on the sport, what you'll end up seeing is you go, you talk about going down the depth chart. So who's, who's the starter starting tier players and below them as you go further down, you'll see players can actually cover multiple positions. It's just a question of who gets hurt and how you want to adjust. Um, in that sense, tyranny is definitely like, if we think about it, you know, in terms of say left backs, you know, at the start of the season, I think Zinchenko is your number one. I think, you know, then, uh, obviously Timber is a guy he's willing to play out there. Perhaps Kivior. Um, you, we can think, we can talk about Tomiyasu plays out on the left. And then you're talking about Kieran Tierney on the left. So, I mean, when, where does Kieran Tierney play? He's your fifth choice left back. Um, yeah. So I, I, that that's what we mean by depth chart is sort of a ranking right. of players at each position. Um, sure. And you'll see that. And that's a common sports thing. You'll see that. Obviously, the depth chart ties into formation and needs. And, well, if this guy's in, this guy's in. But actually, if we pull this guy out, we need someone else to come in to fill this. So there's a lot of intricacy and moving parts to it beyond just a simple you know almost like in a video game if player x gets hurt but then you plug in the next guy well yeah which is actually kind of related to the fantasy league stuff because i had an email uh come in last week pointing out that i had an injured player named gabriel jesus (laughs) my starting lineup and i I had to do something about it i had to bring in a sub i I had the choice because the first week hadn't actually started yet it was a day away when they sent that i had Mm. the choice to transfer him out of the team altogether but i wanted to stay optimistic i actually kept him on my team but he Mm -hmm. is now on the bench instead of being in my starting lineup so yeah. So well so we so we so we can have a we can have a um we can have a fantasy sports primer uh, another time perhaps but that one of the things you'll see in a lot of fantasy sports is a lot of player movement. So the idea is that if a player isn't playing well you drop him as quickly as you can and pick up whoever's floating out there or you try to say ah this guy looks like he's going to have a good week you pick him up uh you plug him in and then after the game you can drop him and get somebody else. So you'll see a lot more of that shuffling and you have to keep an eye on injuries because, as you saw there, right, yeah. if a player's out, you don't want one of your spots in your lineup to be taken up by an injured player. I mean, obviously, you couldn't play with him in real life, but even in the in, in terms of the game, you get no points for having him there. Right. Uh, so whereas you want to replace yep. it with somebody who might do something. Yeah. So just that, you know, fa- the fantasy sports does require you to sort of keep an eye on it. What they'll say in a lot of leagues is the guy who ends up winning is the guy who actually pays attention the longest Mm. <laughs> um, as it yeah. turns out, so I can see that. So yeah, I think we're probably ready to go into the second half. But before that, mm-hmm. uh, let's have a word from our sponsor as a quick halftime break. So this episode is brought to you by Liquid IV. Uh, this week, my uh, my exercise has largely been uh, chasing after my six year old on the beach. Um, but, uh, certainly getting me all sweated up. And when that happens, I pour a stick of liquid IV into my bottle of water and it gets me all nice and hydrated. Um, as you know, already liquid IV is the category winning hydration brand fueling your well-being, and their hydration multiplier is the one product you're missing in your daily routine. In just one stick, you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than water alone. Use it first thing in the morning before a workout, when you feel run down after a long night out and on long flights. And, uh, 
it comes in great flavors that we greatly enjoy. Uh, the strawberry lemonade is my favorite still so far. Um, we talked a little bit about some other ones. Uh, the uh, yuzu something. What was it? <laughs> I'm not seeing it handy right now. We we learned what a yuzu was, um, but uh, yeah. So there's there's a uh, plenty to pick from: sea berry, pina colada, tropical punch. I'm on the beach. I'm I'm thinking about tropical things. Um, so um, of course, you mix one stick of liquid IV. Which when I say a stick, it's it's a packet that's about skinny and tall, and uh, you pour that into your drink, and one stick and 16 ounces of water hydrates you two times faster and more efficiently than water alone. There are 12 delicious refreshing flavors to keep your hydration routine exciting, and it contains five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C, with three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. It is made with premium ingredients that are non-GMO and free from gluten, dairy, and soy. Liquid IV believes that equitable access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. Liquid IV partners with leading organizations for innovative solutions to help communities protect both their water and their futures. To date, Liquid IV has donated over 39 million servings in over 50 countries around the world. So, of course, after hearing all that, you're thinking that you want to get some, you want to try it, and I can't blame you. And when you do that, please go to liquidiv.com and use code GUNER at checkout. That is G-O-O-N-E-R, GUNER, as in GUNER U, at checkout. There are no U's in GUNER. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code GUNER at liquidiv.com. You can find links in our show notes or show description on YouTube uh, for more info. So, half two. We come back from the locker room. Apparently, I have to hope that Timber was not even assessed, that they just figured it was no big deal and no one looked at him seriously during halftime because they sent him out there and he did not last very long. Yeah, I, the, everything, I've heard that he was assessed. I mean, he did okay. pick up a knock late in the first half, so presumably they were looking at him. But I, I, I get the impression, and I haven't been able to dig into many of the details since the game, I get the impression that whatever the knock he picked up in the first half was not the same thing as what ended up felling him in the end. But I, I admit mm. I'm sketchy on those details and I want to be careful about proclaiming that, but he does, he does, he, he, they, I mean, they, they look at it. They did look at him. They did take a look at him and determined that he was good to go, which is why he comes back out. Okay. That's good. That's good. That they looked and yeah. So, yeah, that was frustrating. Eight minutes, it was in the eighth minute, so it was like, you know, less than eight minutes in um, that that happened. So, so yeah, we yeah, were on Tomiyasu to take his place. Uh, and I thought, you know, Tomiyasu did fine. You know, he's one of those guys we've kind of gotten lost in the shuffle a little bit. He's a, I mean, he's really an excellent player, very versatile. Obviously, last season struggled with injury, uh, especially uh, coming out of the World Cup. Um, but really, he's a guy, you know, just in terms of the overall depth of the squad, to have a player like him to come in and replace, you know, to be your backup or arguably technically your third string, uh, third on the depth chart, uh, as it were. <laughs> uh, you know, if you think about Zinchenko, who is still on his way back from injury, I, I don't think they've heard, I haven't heard anything. It sounds like he's soon, but I don't know if he's ready. I, I don't, I haven't heard about whether or not he'd be ready for, for the next game on Monday. Um, yeah. But yeah, and again, to have a player like Tomiyasu to come in, that's a big, that's a big thing to be able to have. Unfortunate as the circumstances are, but that's why you have right. that. guys get hurt. Right. It's a sport. It's physical activity. Guys get hurt. Yeah, it was uh, a few minutes after he came on. He had a cute little shot. It was like it was along the ground. He like threaded between a bunch of players. It just ended up. Uh, I forget. I think it went wide. I don't think it was blocked, but it might have been blocked. Uh, mm. Turner had a pretty good game blocking a lot of our attempts, but. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was fun. it was funny seeing that because you know you don't see attempts too often from the defender, and it was just like it wasn't a particularly high speed shot. It just kind of yeah. rolled at medium speed along the ground, and I, I was hoping, but it didn't quite connect. <laughs> yeah, when it when it's at and it's at sort of half speed like that, the sense is that he didn't quite get it as fully as he would have wanted to. Um, right. So there's a little. Yeah, there, there's some room for improvement there. But you know, I, overall, I thought he did well. But you, I mean, notice, I mean. He's far forward. I mean, that's one of the things that Arsenal is doing is increasing versatility and, and moving players into different positions. Um, you know, there are times you saw where Bukayo Saka was on the left. You saw different players, you know, players tracking back defensively. Um, 
you know, a lot of guys, especially in the first half, are just sort of demons chasing down the ball. Martinelli had one where he chased down a, a Forest player to get the ball back. So the sense is that guys can come from any angle or any potential angle, again, sort of increases the, the uncertainty that they're facing. Uh, right. sort of, and it's good to have, you just think about the, the number of attacking options we have um, between Martinelli and Saka, Inkedia, Odegaard, I mean, your fifth player on that list is Kai Havertz, who scored the winning goal in the Champions League final. Uh, so <laughs> I, it's, mm. you have a lot of those good options, and they're using them in that way. So, yeah, it's good to see players like Tomiyasu, guys who you wouldn't normally expect to take shots, to get a few of them because it just means it's just one more player the defense has to watch for. So Arsenal <laughs> has options, and, and that's what you want. One more thing for the defense to have to worry about, one more player for them to, them to have to keep an eye. Right. Well, and yeah, we're starting to see Declan Rice really stepping up, too. He had three credible attempts uh, this match and didn't work out, but three really good shots that just didn't quite make it. So so that's good. And and, and that's not even his game. I mean, he's he came very close right. a couple of times. Those goals, uh, one of them is, went off the post. I mean, Turner gets a hand to it. It's a really good save from Turner. Uh, but yeah, Rice is, Rice, you know, going to be something if he when he gets that goal but that's that's not why he's here you know that's the best part he's not a, a goal scorer that's not why we signed him for um but as he continues to to bet in um you know he's going to be a he's going to be a real good addition which is not surprising that's why we paid a whole bunch of money for him uh you know because he's, sure. he's really good yeah so but yeah, well, he's, the way he the way he comes in kind of as Xhaka went out, you know, I mean, I think it's probably kind of similar in some ways to Xhaka, where you don't count on him for goals, but you know, once in a while, like every couple games, every few games, you know, he'll he'll have his his moments. Yeah. Know? Although some of the, some of that is also Xhaka's role have been changing. Uh, they're using him in a much more offensive position last season, and so he was popping up in places where he could theoretically score. Now that's not the best use of his skill set, but he did really well to to integrate into that. Um, same with Rice. He's he, he really, if we're thinking about it in terms of last year's formation wise, Havertz is probably the guy who's going to fill more into that Jaka role. But it seems like we've been using Havertz more forward and having Rice and Party as a as as double midfielders in the defensive position. Particularly, that's what we saw last week against City, but a little bit here as well. Again, well, here you had Party on the right and sort of drifting in. So already in two games, we've had two very different formations. Now we've played two very different opponents who have played us in very, you know, very different ways. <laughs> but like, very you know, opposite one, ends of a spectrum. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, one of, one of the one of the pluses of a guy like Thomas Party is that you there's a Arteta the way Arteta played, especially last year, puts a lot on him as sort of the base of that defensive midfield, and it he has the skills to be able to do that, but not a lot of guys do. Rice is going to take some time to bet into that to really pick that up. I mean, Party took a while to adjust. They tried to shoehorn you know sambi lakonga into that it, it did not work um you know they when they bring in his backup is Jorginho, who plays a very different game they can't play that way so i wonder if you, you this is a part of the tactical shift is not bring rice into play for party and havertz into play for Xhaka. what if by doing this you can actually put rice and party on the field at the same time but move havertz up forward and use them to sort of clean up things defensively, push the ball forward. Maybe you have fewer defenders. And so there's just, again, it's it's the idea of Arteta talks about unpredictability. How can we be unpredictable yeah. to the opposition? And that's that's one way of doing that. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah I can see that, yeah. Um, so it was in the 82nd minute that Forrest managed to get a breakaway and get one past Ramsdale, which I think by that point, I think I had been kind of itching for a third Arsenal goal to shore things up a little bit. And then all of a sudden it became a one goal match. And the last like 10, 15 minutes of that match were pretty tense. Like we were, <laughs> there were times where it looked like we could have ended up drawing against <laughs> Force, which would have been a really ignominious way to begin the season. It would have been tough, uh, especially after the last season, way last season ended blowing a couple of two goal leads like that. It's a, it's a, it's a cliche and a bit of a joke. Um, you know, that two nothing is the most dangerous lead in the sport. Right. And part of it is like, well, it's better than one nothing. Um, but also <laughs> the idea is if you make one mistake, one screw up, and all of a sudden the game is now feels like it's teetering on the knife edge. 
and it's not a great feeling. Um, we definitely had a couple of chances. We talked about Turner making a few good saves. We talked about, you know, Rice had a few shots. A couple of players had some opportunities. Um, you know, it, it, it's kind of curious. Arteta has talked about this, the notion of having a killer instinct, of, of, of getting that second goal, of really finishing off the game, finishing off the opposition. I mean, 3-0 even before the half or 3-0 early in the second half. Yeah, I mean, the game, game's over at that point. Uh, but at 2-0, there's sort of that sense, that chance that maybe um, there's an argument to be made that, frankly, Forrest shouldn't have even been able to break the way they did because Havertz was down uh, on the field, potentially with a head injury. Now, referees are supposed to stop the action for what they think are head injuries. Oh. Um, I, I don't read this as some like massive controversy that we were we were screwed over, but yeah. there's an argument to be made that, that maybe that should have been done, that Forrest wasn't able to you know, had an opportunity. Maybe they shouldn't have. Having said that, I, I, the real problem is you, you saw we, we're a total disarray going back. I mean, they they they, they move forward. Uh, yeah. the, the guy who ended up scoring it. I mean, he boy, he huffed it down the field like he, there was nobody was getting in his way. <laughs> yeah, you know, Ben White's the guy who I guess is sort of supposed to be marking him. Like you see, the defenders don't really quite know where they're supposed to be going, and so Forrest gets yeah. up, like guys should not be able to run that far especially the guy with the ball, run, dribble the ball that far. Like, that shouldn't happen. But but part of it is because you're in transition, you're trying to adjust, and you can see you guys still trying to work out who goes where, who's covering who. And essentially, he, um, you know, the, the goal scorer beats his man, is Ben White. He's able to sort of, he's in front, kind of ends up cutting behind him, around him, and, and cuts in front of him, so when the ball comes in, he's the guy there to, to finish up the goal as opposed to, mm-hmm. as opposed to White, or somebody, a defender being able to, to clear it away. So, you know, credit to Forrest. It was a really well-worked goal. Um, you know, they did a good job ca- capitalizing on the opportunity. Um, but it does get a sense. I don't know. I what did? I thought we looked very tired in the second half. Did that? What do you? Did that look that way to you? That that didn't occur to me. I, the word tired didn't occur to me. It was just kind of. I don't know. I guess I maybe read it more as complacence. Mm. I could like be. we didn't. We didn't seem like as hungry like as in the first. Like we didn't let up the pressure at all the whole first half. We just kind of let up on it a little bit. I, I mean, the second uh, half. I think some ways that fair in terms of the pressure. I mean, we don't know how much of it. Arteta talks about being ruthless, but he wants ten thousand passes or something. You know, you want. I'm which. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of is taking your foot off the gas. Is controlling. Say, take the air out of the ball. Just control the possession. Don't allow Forrest even to have the ball or an opportunity to do something going forward. Um, I mean, that gets into, if I had a criticism, real criticism of Arsenal in the game, I mean, I, they did look tired. I mean, I remember, I think it was when Martinelli came off, like, he was sucking wind, man. He, which makes sense. He's sprinting up and down that sideline all game. Um, yeah, he yeah. was sucking wind. A few guys that came off, they looked pretty tired. Uh, you know, it's the beginning of the season. Guys are still getting their conditioning in shape. I mean, Technically, that's what preseason is for, but they also spent their preseason flying halfway around the world to play a bunch of games in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And kind of, they haven't been back that long, really. So, mm-hmm. you know, and it's early the season. I, I saw somewhere some some people commenting on this, you know, the some of the action around the rest of the league, and there was a lot of that. Guys are getting tired, and it's just it's the beginning of the season. You know, guys are still getting getting their legs back under them, and I think my criticism of the game really. It really goes to Arteta in the big benefit we have is our depth. That's that's the biggest difference between this year and last year. And with the competitions we're facing, I think we need Arteta has to be able to trust more than his starters. And frankly, other than Timber, the subs came very late. And I think we'd have benefited a lot right. from a sub 65 or 70 minutes as opposed to going 75, 80 minutes. Um I just think you're gonna you're gonna have to be, and we have five of them, you know. And I understand you want to keep, yeah. you know. They always talk about, especially in the age of the three subs, uh, a manager always wants to keep one in his back pocket, you know, in case there's an emergency, which I totally understand. Um, and you only get the three windows to make substitutions in um, during the run of play. But I do think we're going to need to be. I I, I I'm I'm willing to believe right now. Arteta will be more aggressive in rotating between games. We saw that sitting Gabriel. Um, I'm. I would like to see a little bit more of the rotation in the game. 
uh, you know, be willing to sit a few guys. I mean, maybe you're waiting for that mm-hmm. third goal, but I guess I think they would have benefited. You know, Trossard came on and immediately, you know, is, is bombing up and down the wing and doing his thing. Um, you know, I, I think they would have benefited from a fresh injection of pace. I mean, Forrest did. They sw- they, they made some tactical subs, right. changed up their formation, got guys who were on and fresh. I mean, the guy who scored had just come on. And he sort of sprints right. down the field. He's yeah, he's he's feeling good. He's just started, so that's you want to yeah. see them. And again, it's the first week. We have a it, it's another week to the next game. But once you hit September, you're going to start to get two games a week with the Champions League. We're going to start to see League Cup games. Uh, you know, hopefully more than one. So uh, part of me would like to see if Arteta can be a little more aggressive, even in the league games. And and he's talked about this idea that the guys who finish the game, there's there's sort of this stigma attached to substitutes all right a, a benefit given to the starters and and yes it's a it's a more prestigious position you have the chance to play the entire game but there is a benefit to having a strong squad on the field at the end of the game and a lot of it comes from mm-hmm. judging players fatigue the roles what you're asking them to do i mean maybe that was a game for a Jorginho to come in and help stabilize the midfield and settle things down Maybe it was a game to bring in Trossard earlier to to provide that extra pace for you know for Martinelli, um, or even for Inkedia who came out for someone else who I'm forgetting. Uh, but you know to sort of, or maybe Trossard did go on for Inkedia. I don't really remember, but to, you know to yeah, remember, to make yeah. up some of those changes and just tweak and not change what you're doing, but tweak what you're doing or provide an injection mm-hmm. of pace, the fresh legs. So that if I had a criticism of Arteta, that's what it would be. Um, But overall, I mean, it's one of those things that feels tense. I wonder if, and I remember some people made comments on this in a few other games. I wonder if it's one of those that if we actually watched in retrospect, I don't, they, you know, obviously Forrest appeared a little more dangerous. The game feels much closer. I don't recall them ever having any chances where, like I'm thinking back to say the, the end of the Liverpool game or the West Ham game, like where Ramsdale had to make a couple of big saves late. I didn't, I didn't recall him having to do right. that. So it feels a little nervy, but also, you know, maybe in retrospect, we're in slightly better shape than we might have felt. Uh, yeah, no, that, that's fair. I don't recall any. I didn't note any major chances on their part, too. It was just kind of, I guess, the thought every time they had the ball, like, oh, what if this results in a chance <laughs> and they do end up scoring? It was just kind of the what if, not necessarily mm-hmm. the likelihood, but the possibility, I guess. <laughs> I mean, and we saw that we didn't talk about back in the first half, right? The the first real chance of the game came on a, a you know bad clearance from Arsenal, a good ball up ahead, and they had a man in on Ramsdale and and. Um, Ramsdale does a great job to come out, cut down the angle, and the shot ends up going wide. So you know, statistically, there's no save there. He doesn't get credit for anything. Okay, but, if you watch right. the, but if you watch the play there, right. that's partly why it happens, is the guy's looking to chip right. Ramsdale, and here's Ramsdale, you know, comes out and, and well, is able right. to do what he needs to do. And, and uh, you know, someone who's played keeper, right, it's, he makes himself big and so prevents the, doesn't give the, the shooter the space or the view he wants, and that causes the shot to go wide. Right. Yeah, last season we talked about, yeah, making the shadow from the flashlight bigger mm. because he got closer to a light source. Yeah, 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 definitely. That, that was an instance of that where, yeah, he was just eclipsing a large portion of the goal where, and and he, yeah, it prevented him from capitalizing. He just couldn't get the right the right shot. And maybe, it's possible a more skilled striker possibly could have still managed to get it in, but he certainly made his job a lot harder. Exactly. and that, and that, But, you know, a more skilled striker can still make that mistake if the keeper is well positioned. So, again, we talk right. about Ram still yep. playing well. It doesn't reflect itself statistically in terms of his saves, but mm-hmm. it, you, you want, one of those, you watch the play and you can see the benefit to what he did. Right. Yeah, definitely. Ready to talk about the player of the match? Um, sure. I'll, I'll I'll put it to you. I've talked a lot on this one, so I don't know. Is there one who, in particular, who stood out to you? Yeah, it might be a little controversial, actually, but um, I would like to nominate Matt Turner. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is the best performance I've ever seen from him. He did a great job. He had save after save. I think we really put him through the ringer. I think if it weren't for him, if someone, if a weaker keeper were were uh, guarding the net, I think we could have actually had a much bigger uh, 
trouncing of, of Nottingham. I think it's to his credit that they kept it only 2-1, and we had a bunch of chances that he was able to successfully block. So uh, I, I think I think he's he's it. I, I don't I don't think that's actually a bad shout. I think he he plays a key role in keeping Forrest in the game, uh, you know, especially as a lot um, you know keeping them in game, keeping them close where they could get that goal and could get closer to it. Um, but Arsenal won, so I'm kind of more in the mind of picking an Arsenal player. Uh, I mean, it's it's hard because especially in the first half we played really well. Um, I think I think I think you have to give it to Saka. I mean, it, we we yeah. we are so we are so fortunate to have two such, such two very good players on the wing. I mean, Martinelli is a could be a nailed on starter for just about any other team in the league, and he does so many things and does them well. But that he doesn't. But if you look, Arsenal doesn't run their offense that side of the field. They run it on the right side. Why? Because you have Saka and Ben White. And you can do right. so much with those guys. And, you know, I thought he played well overall. Um, the goal, of course, his goal was was, was sure. spectacular. Um, but I thought, uh, yeah, I thought, um, you know, I thought Party did a pretty good job. It's a little bit hard because of the ga- the way the game kind of kind of shifted between the halves. In the first half, I think it's definitely clear how much better Arsenal was. In the second, you, you know, you that's where you kind of wonder, you know, who's there to really... You almost want one of the players to sort of grab the game by the scruff and say, no, 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 it's going to be okay. And that's kind of one you would put on a party. We've mentioned Jorginho would do that sometimes and help, you know, you feel things feel a little ragged, but they don't. Uh, but I didn't see anybody who felt like did that. That's not a massive criticism, but I, something I would have maybe would have wanted to see. Um, right. Yeah. I can't argue against Saka in this case. No, I think uh, he did great. <laughs> so no, no arguments here. Um, before we move on to next week, do you want to do a little bit of uh, follow out rather than follow up, where we uh, talk about last episode at the end of this episode instead of the beginning, and uh, talk about your pick for a uh, player of the match uh, from the Community Shield? Yeah, we did. We, we didn't actually do that. Um, did we? Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll take collective <laughs> responsibility on that. We, uh, we won't play the blame. Yeah. Ga- we won't play the blame game here. We, not me. All that good stuff. Um, I, 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 I know a lot of people w- went on for Trossard. Obviously, not just the goal, but he he definitely added uh, something when he came on in terms of making us more dangerous. But I, for me, the player of the game was Martin Odegaard. Um, he's not a guy who gets a lot of credit for his sort of emotional. Uh, so the emotional side of his game, but he was very animated throughout the uh, throughout the Shield game several times. You know, especially as they were coming down towards the Arsenal side, was gesturing to the fans, "Let's go, get up, come on!" Um, and but I thought played a good game overall as well, especially as we started to get back into it. Um, so he was probably my pick for that one. I thought Saka was good. I thought Party was really good. Um, you know, especially and, and Party and Rice were especially good and sort of. We talked about this, right, that City's dominating position, but what kind of chances did they really get out of it? Uh, we could really throw Saliba in there for basically just marking Erling Holland completely out of the game. So, um, sure. you know, overall, I just I, I want to talk about beating City more is what I really want. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I would probably go to Odegaard uh, for, for the Community Shield. I don't know, did anyone stand out to you in, in, that, in that opener? Not- not really. Like uh, the thought crossed my mind last week, and no one really jumped out at me, and much less so now a week later. Um, what I will say with with Odegaard, um, watching him handle the ball reminds me of Messi in a lot of ways. Just the effortless skill with which he moves the ball wherever he wants to, when he wants to. I, I see that in him, and uh, yeah, he's he's a pleasure to watch. I think that I think Arsenal has as much as we talk about how much we love all these players and how great they are and fit their roles. I think I think Arsenal currently has three players in their lineup who are lockdown starters in any game of any substance, and I think that's Saka. Odegaard and Saliba. I think if those guys are healthy, mm-hmm. yeah, they, I, they, they do so many things for us. And this isn't to mention guys like Party or Ramsdale or, or even well, we saw we don't need Gabrielle apparently. Um, but you know, being able to have <laughs> well, Gabrielle, I think came on as a sub. But like to, to, in terms of you know, they do so much and they add so much to it. We saw what this team looked like last year without Saliba. 
it was not as good. Um, and Odegaard yeah. is just such a such a such a talent, such a talented player. Um, and then of course we've talked about Saka as well. And I think the three of them are, if they're healthy, mm-hmm. I think they they almost have to play. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Well, it's, it's that time again to talk about uh, what's coming up next week. So what do we have on the agenda? Next week, Monday Night Football, which they do actually call on the broadcast, <laughs> apparently. So cue up the Hank Williams uh-huh. uh, Jr., excuse me. <laughs> um, it's Monday Night Football. The uh, Arsenal will go to Nelson Road, the dog track. I'm just kidding. It's Selhurst Park, which, for those of you who watch Ted Lasso, is where they the park they use as a uh, as the home ground of AFC Richmond, Sellers Park and Crystal Palace. <laughs> um, Palace is another one of those that I look at this season and think they're going to be in a fight for relegation. So we talked about how, um, you know, we talked about this as a soft launch to the season with Forrest at home, going to Palace. On the other hand, Sellers Park has been a difficult place for us in the past. That We opened last season with a win there, and it was really kind of a nice opening sign that, so Arsenal team is going to be different. So I don't feel quite as confident about this as I did against Forrest. But with this and then Fulham next week, before we play United in the first game in September, it I think it's really important for us to get off to, you know, to sort of use this as a, a, a launching ground to a strong start before we face, um, before we face someone like, like United, who's, who's going to be a team up near the top of the league. So, um, yeah. It's an important. It, it, it's trickier than it might look, but it's still an important one, and one it's important we get a result. All right, looking forward to that one. Thanks for joining us at Gooner U. We're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and some other places. And as always, we appreciate you subscribing to our show and sharing it with friends. Now that we're on YouTube regularly, we can officially say like and subscribe. Hit these buttons down here. All, all that stuff they, that we're apparently obligated to say on YouTube or else no one will do it. So I've started saying that and some people start doing it. So thank you. Um, <laughs> if you want to listen ad-free, you can become a Gooner U super fan for ad-free episodes as well as raw, unedited recordings that are available the night we record and occasional bonus content. It's only a dollar a month and there's a link in the show notes or a description to join. Thanks again to our sponsor, Liquid IV. You can find them using our special link in the description and use code Gooner at checkout. You can follow our show on Twitter at GoonerUShow for updates and to ask questions. Again, my name is Dove and you can find me on Twitter at Dove Frankel. With me as always is Keith and you can find him in a pub early in the morning watching Arsenal matches. Come on, you gunners.